Well, welcome to Church at Home. My name is Tim Pippis. I'm the lead pastor of Hope for Life Christian Fellowship. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. I want to start talking to you about an ordinary day. This day began fairly shortly after she got up with my wife standing in front of the mirror. And she was standing in front of the mirror finding the flaws. And sadly, it was a fairly ordinary day. Now, as she was going through in her mind the things that were wrong with her and wrestling with that internal angst and the dissatisfaction, and I don't remember this, but I imagine that either in her mind she'd already gone through a handful of outfits and some of them had been picked and then discarded and maybe she'd landed on one. And so this was an ordinary day where she was wrestling with insecurity. But then something changed and something happened to make this ordinary day a memorable day. She looked down and two little eyes were staring up at her, one of our young daughters. And at that moment, this momentum of her life as she wrestled with her insecurity, she saw into the future and she began to think about what are those two eyes seeing? She fast-forwarded the tape of her life and she started thinking about what is going to happen to these two eyes as day in and day out they stare at a mother who's dissatisfied with herself. And it was a game-changing moment for my wife. And by the way, lest you think that I'm a really big fool, I'm telling this story with her permission. But here's the point. When you stand in front of the mirror like that, one of the questions that gets raised is, how did I get here? And there isn't a simple answer to that question. Maybe you have to go back into your childhood and you think about the moments where the words beautiful and ugly and a whole lot of other words were thrown out in different contexts and your developing brain started to latch on to what you think those things mean. Maybe... It was the lattice, the rituals of, you know, going shopping to pick on a cliche and yet a cliche that so many have shared about where a group goes shopping and they try things on and they pick themselves apart or where they go shopping to try and convince themselves and find something new that will help them feel beautiful for a day, an hour, a week, a month. On and on the list might go. But there's this interesting question, and it refers back to the lattice that we're talking about in this series. How did I get here? But then the second piece of that really is projecting and looking forward. What's the impact of being here? See, my wife didn't wake up that day and say, I am going to struggle with my image today. She woke up and she just struggled with her image that day. It wasn't conscious. It was unconscious. And what is the effect of our unconscious lives? Well, that day, what turned it from ordinary into memorable was that she began to think about the weight of motherhood and how her life and my life as the father influences the lives of our children. And she played the tape forward. Last week, we began this new series, and it's a series on spiritual formation. And that is a story about spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is about who I am and who I'm becoming 
And how those things produce fruit for this world, for my family, for the people I love, for the people that I don't even know. It's about how my life impacts the world. And most of that impact is from the unconscious default settings of my heart. We live from the heart. That's the biblical phrase. Now let's tell another story. Let's talk about me for a second as we set this up. Really, the question is, why talk about spiritual formation? I mean, there's a crisis going on in the world, right? Why are we doing this? Why week after week after week of spiritual formation? So another time early in our marriage, before that memorable day of my wife, we were talking about when are we going to have kids? And shocker, we were on different pages. She wanted to have kids sooner, and she had a list of reasons why she wanted to have kids sooner. And I was on the other side, and I had a great list of reasons why I wanted to have kids later. And, you know, so we had different reasons, and this time, let's dive into me. How about? And so we could talk about, you know, I, I thought about, you know, I played the evangelical trump card, stewardship, sweetheart. It's about stewardship. I mean, right now, we're dinks. Lest you think I'm uttering a bad word, it's an acronym, dual income, no kids. It means we were making more money than we'd ever made before. We had less expenses. We had very few sort of hindrances and expectations on our life. So, you know, and I played this card. Right now, honey, we can be more generous because we have more disposable income and all that's going to change when we have kids. And I talked about, you know, setting ourselves up wisely for the future. And listen, there's something legitimate about all of that. But the thing is, if my wife had come and she had looked in my eyes and she'd said, Tim, how much will be enough? I wouldn't have had an answer to that question. If she'd said, you know, this is an important conversation, but why are you so heated about it? Why are you reacting to me so strongly and my desire to have kids sooner? I couldn't have told her that I was afraid. I couldn't have told her that deep down I believed that more would make me safe, would make us safe. See, these two stories, they're stories of spiritual formation. They're stories about who we are, whether we know it or not, and how that impacts the world. Spiritual formation isn't just a Christian thing. Everybody's getting a spiritual formation. You have been formed and you are being formed. And there is an impact that flows from that to the world. And the funny thing about these stories is I'm willing to bet that they're not just my wife's story and my story. I'm willing to bet it's your story too. That there's some conversation going on in your home or your workplace. And it's not just about stewardship. And you're not just wrestling with your image. And however you got here, we need to talk about where we go from here. And we need to talk about the hope that we have. So why spiritual formation? On the one hand, we should talk about this in a time of crisis, a time like this in COVID, because times of crisis are times of refining for better or for worse. There are times when as the pressure comes on to our lives, we get melted down and we can become stronger. We can grow better fruit or we can get weakened or the weeds can get take over the garden or the wrong kind of fruit can emerge from our lives. 
And so on the one hand, we talk about this now because these are the times that God so often uses to do the deepest work in our hearts when there's things that are triggering our fears and our wants and our desires. But on the flip side, we talk about this now because spiritual formation, some of us hear that word and we think, oh, this is a trend in the church or, you know, this is just some kind of uh, funny, otherworldly thing. I mean, you do that if you want, but I'm just going to keep living my normal life. No, 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 no. Spiritual formation is all about your daily life. Tell me what you love. Tell me what you're afraid of. Tell me where you're going and where you've been, and I'll tell you about your spiritual formation. And so let's dive into this series. And as Lane said last week, we're beginning with three weeks where we try and open up the hunger to lean into spiritual formation. Today, I am focusing, lest some of you wonder, am I just a really grumpy dude? I'm focusing on some of the darker sides. And so I've talked about my fear and my insecurities, talked about my wife's. But next week, Kelly's going to bridge because there's a positive version of this too. I could easily tell amazing stories about the incredible woman that my wife is and catching her at the best moments where the fruit of the kingdom is already present in her life and it's just flowing outward to those same little eyes that saw her looking in the mirror that day. But today, there's a little bit more of paying attention to some of the darker stuff. That's there too. Let me read the texts for today. One from Galatians chapter 6. This is what Paul writes. Do not be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. A man reaps what he sows. Second text from Matthew chapter 7. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' most famous block of teaching. Where really he's outlined what it means for the kingdom to come. And at the end of it, here is what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, COVID struck, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain came down and the streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's talk about that a little bit, shall we? So first, maybe this is old news to you. Maybe this is the first time anybody's ever said it to you. But we live from our hearts. That's what the Bible talks about. The automatic default settings of our lives, the ways that we perceive things and respond to things. If you want to speak of it in neurological terms, our unconscious brain, I've read, dictates anywhere from 70 to 95% of what we do. That's what the Bible's talking about when it talks about how we live from the heart. 
Spiritual formation is this idea that you have been and you are being formed into someone. There's fruit growing and that that flows out into the way that you live and the impact you'll have in this world. And so the first thing I want to say, just the, really the summary of this section, there's two parts of this message this morning. The first part is that your choices influence what kind of inner growth and outer fruit your life will have. Your choices influence what kind of inner growth and then outer fruit that your life will have. Now let me unpack that in a few different parts. So first, I don't know if you caught this, but both Jesus and Paul, Galatians 6, Matthew 7, and frankly, I could go through text after text after text where it brings out the same thing. Both of them say, listen, spiritual formation isn't optional, nor are the consequences. Jesus doesn't say, if you want to, you can build a house. Paul doesn't say, if you want to, you can sow seed. Jesus says, you're either going to build your house on the rock or on the sand. Paul says, you will either sow to the flesh or to the spirit. If you want to go back to the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs begins, and Lady Wisdom calls out, you'll either choose the way of fools or the way of the wise. You go to the first psalm, you'll either choose the way of the wicked or the way of the righteous. This theme is everywhere. Spiritual formation is not an option. It's not something you can get to when you want to or when you have time. It's not something to put on the honey-do list or anything like that. You are formed. You are being formed. And there's an effect to that. Because most of your life is lived from the default settings. Something is being cultivated in your life. If I can add to these two images that Jesus and Paul give us, you have lattices all over your life. So think back to the rituals of shopping. If we want to drill into my fear and security issues, where do they come from? And you would find, if you asked me and we had time, all of these moments from my childhood, things that I'd seen, things that I'd heard, things that I'd internalized that had made me the kind of person who was afraid, though I couldn't articulate it. And to go back to my wife's story for a second, that day became a memorable day because she looked down and she saw ahead to the impact that her struggle was going to have on the little set of eyes and the person that they belonged to. And now our three girls. So here's the second thing I want to say. Intending well isn't enough. You are being formed. Your house will be built on the rock or the sand. You will sow to the spirits or to the flesh. And intending well, though that's certainly a good thing, is not enough. You know, there's this story, the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. I was a junior high boy. How many stories begin? I was a junior high boy. I was a junior high boy. Junior high boys, I love you. I, this is a story. I, I was one of you. Uh, my best friend had a hunting slingshot. And my best friend also lived with his bedroom window facing a major road in southwest Calgary. And you can kind of figure out where this is going. Now, here's the thing. Honestly, 
I was a really good kid. I mean, I had problems like everybody does, but I was the rule-abiding member. I'm fearful. As a kid, I was fearful. I didn't want to step out of lines. I didn't, you know, if anything, I, I did everything possible to avoid negative consequences. But this day, my friend and I, with his hunting slingshot, we started shooting pieces of Play-Doh at things driving by or riding by on the road. And it wasn't because we honestly saw what was coming. The consequence was not there in our minds. And so we're shooting Play-Doh and we never hit anything. And we started to think, you know, it's kind of hard to shoot Play-Doh. Why are we shooting Play-Doh? This is frustrating. We're running out of Play-Doh. So we went to his parents' front lawn and there was a bunch of rocks. And we decided, you know, we should start shooting rocks. And I mean, it got worse. I'm shortening the story. But we started thinking, wouldn't it be funny if we could bounce one off the helmet of a motorcycle or motorbiker riding by or a cyclist? And so now we were aiming for that. And there was no connection to what might happen. And finally, the fateful moment came, a minivan drove by. And it was me with the slingshot, and we heard the crack pierce the air. And we shut the window very quickly, and we sat down. And at that moment, we realized what had happened, the consequences from our actions. Honestly, We hadn't pieced it together, or I guess I should only speak for myself. I didn't think about the fact that I could kill someone. I didn't think about the fact that in reality, I probably put a hole in somebody's door. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you live in Southwest Calgary, and like 20 years ago, a hole was put through your door inexplicably. I owe you some money and I'll be glad to pay. It doesn't matter if you intend well to some extent. I mean, intentions are a good thing. They're part of our spiritual formation. But intending well is not enough. We still have to contend with the reality that our lives will have an impact regardless of how we intend. And that impact can be to the flesh or to the spirit. It can be the impact of a house built on the rock or built on the sand. So let me ask you something. Is there any chance that you're holding a slingshot somewhere in your life and you're looking out a window and maybe you just don't see what's coming? And if I can remind you again of my wife's story, what happened that day is she had an insight into what would happen if she let it go. And it changed her life. First thing, Remember, the the main point here is your choices will influence what kind of inner growth, what kind of fruit will grow. There will be fruit, something will grow, but what kind? Your choices influence that. And therefore, the fruit that you offer the world, the outer impact of your life. And so Jesus says, house on a rock or sand, sow the seed of the spirit or sow the seed of the flesh. Second thing is that fundamentally, and this goes back to what Lane was talking about last week, there are two options. Last week, he talked about Boethius. See if I got that name right, Lane. Boethius. And he said that we can either lift our eyes or drop our eyes. We can fix our eyes on things that are not worthy. And that is so often the default condition of our society, of our lives. And yet there are this other part of us which also exists in our lives and our societies where we know that there's some 
something to look up to. There's two choices. We live in this world where it seems like there's this crushing burden and there are so many different choices and options. There's so many ways and how could anybody know The Bible has always said, Jesus said clearly, fundamentally, though, yes, there are all kinds of roads, ultimately they converge into one of two. Either you choose the way of Jesus and his kingdom or you choose something else. Either you choose the way of the spirit or the way of the flesh, to go back to Paul. And frankly, that simplicity is actually really freeing. Because we can look at our whole complex lives. How did I become that person who was so afraid? Where do I go from here? And there's a whole complex dialogue about that. But we can look at it and fundamentally there's this freedom as as I go forward, am I sowing to the spirit or am I sowing to the flesh? And there's a beautiful freeing simplicity to just looking at your life All of the practical details, your Netflix binging, the way that you're coping amidst COVID, what's going on in your family right now, where you hope to be in your future, your hopes, your aspirations, your dreams, the things that keep you up at night. You can run all these things through the grid of, is this the house on the rock or the sand? Is this the seed sown that's cultivating the life of the spirit or is it the seed sown that's cultivating the life of the flesh The third thing that emerges here is that there is a storm in Jesus' parable. The winds blow. The rain falls. This is not some pretty metaphor in Palestine. In the desert, the rain will pour, the ground is hard, and therefore, literally, houses will get knocked down that are not built down to the foundation and often with a lower rock layer in the house. Our church, Hope for Life now I'm speaking of, years ago we donated a bunch of money to a village in Western Africa so that they could build a concrete foot at the bottom of a number of the houses because the rains had fallen and the flood had struck and all kinds of people had lost their houses. And so literally we were part of helping a village build on rock, literally, Hopefully, spiritually too. Storms offer us clarity. And there are also, as I said earlier, times where what's happening in us is catalyzed. It happens quickly. And so we can become increasingly malformed in a time like COVID. We can give in to the flesh in a way that creates all kinds of nasty root systems that are difficult to get rid of. Spoken as a guy who just bought a house with tons of landscaping neglect for decades. The roots are tough to get out. We, in times of storms can very quickly catalyze the growth, cultivate the wrong kind of growth, or the right kind of growth can be cultivated. Storms offer us clarity. Is there anything coming up in your life in this season that God's inviting you to be part of what he's doing in a new kind of formation, a reformation of your heart? Finally, Note that Jesus and Paul don't say, just think about this. They say that you have to act. They say that I have to act. In fact, a huge portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is just him saying, would you stop just thinking about it and would you do it? You have to act. 
And here we're back to the beginning. The choices we make, whether we think about it or not, whether we are sort of well-educated in this, whether we're aware of all the implications, the choices that we make influence the kind of fruit that is developed in our lives and therefore the outer impact of our lives. What I'm saying I hope you're seeing the connection to your life. It's actually a pretty heavy thing. Lane said last week, we're not going to do a bunch of just adding things to your life. I'm not adding anything to your life. I'm telling you what's already present in your life, whether you're wanting to think about it or not. I'm inviting you to consider, are you pointing a slingshot out the window anywhere? And do you need to do the work to become aware? Because whether or not you do, if you don't, You might just put a hole in the door of a van or, frankly, something a lot worse. There's a burden to this. And this is a consistent witness through Scripture that we have this holy responsibility to cooperate with God and to make choices that affect our formation. But I don't want to end there because that isn't the whole picture. There is a holy weight to this. But on the flip side, there's the beauty of the gospel of grace. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he was with his disciples and he was speaking to them. And one last time he told them, I'm about to be arrested and I'm going to be killed. And they all said, no, 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 that'll never happen, Jesus. And then imagine Jesus saying this about you. He said to Peter, Peter. Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. Tim, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. Wouldn't you love to hear the word of God speaking that to you today? And he says again, I'm going to go die. And and the disciples say, hey, we'll be with you to the end. We're with you, man. We'll never bail. And then they go to the garden. And this was the first bad sign. Jesus goes off to pray and he takes some of the disciples along and he says, stay up with me, pray with me. And then you remember the fateful, famous line? Peter and others discovered the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus was left alone. These just hours, maybe an hour or two before, these are the same men who'd said, we'll be with you to the end. That's the kind of people we are, Jesus. The mob comes. And Peter tries to follow through on his promise. He draws his sword. He attacks. Jesus stops him. He runs away afraid. A bit later, Jesus is being interrogated and Peter sneaks into the courtyard. And you remember this story. Hours before, I'll be with you to the end, Jesus. Aren't you one of that man's disciples? I don't know the man. He denies. The rooster crows. And at that moment, Peter discovered the state of the formation, or I should say the malformation of his heart. Fast forward. At the end of the Gospel of John, there's that fateful encounter where Jesus goes for a walk with Peter. And three times, one for each denial, Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter, newly humbled, 
responds, you know, Lord, I love you. And they both now know, before it was only Jesus who knew, what kind of man Peter was. He wasn't somebody who would go with Jesus to the end. And it's at that moment, that moment of breaking, that Jesus recommissions Peter. For some of you this morning, maybe that's the good news you need to hear. At the moment you discover that the garden of your life is not real healthy, it might just be the moment that you discover what God knew all along and that God's still inviting you deeper into his kingdom. And so Jesus recommissions Peter, and then you fast forward three decades later, Peter writes some letters that are in the New Testament. And they're letters written by a different man. And a little bit after he wrote those letters, church tradition tells us that Peter did go with Jesus to the end. He was arrested. He refused to deny his Lord. He was crucified. And he actually asked them to crucify him, the story goes, upside down. Because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same way as his Lord. So what's the difference between the before, the Peter who says, I don't know the man, and the after, the Peter who says, crucify me upside down? The difference, my friends, is spiritual formation. The difference, on the one hand, is all kinds of lattices put up. The difference is that we know that Peter leaned into this process of building his house on the rock, but frankly, the real difference is that the grace of God continued to do immeasurably more than all Peter could have asked or imagined. And so on the one hand, there's a burden to this, this business of spiritual formation. You've got to make choices. You are making choices, actually. And they're having an effect on who you're becoming and your impact in this world. And the message of the gospel is about the reformation of our hearts from their malformed state. It's the answer to the question of the Old Testament. When will the hearts of stone be taken out and replaced with a heart of flesh? On the one hand, there's work to do. But on the other hand, never discount the significance of the grace of God. That he who is capable of immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine is at He's at work in your life. He's at work in mine. He's at work when you're standing in front of that mirror and when I'm arguing about why we should have kids later. He's at work in COVID. And some things need to be torn down. Some roots need to be pulled out and some new seeds need to be planted. You're not in charge of this process. You need to participate in this process. And at the end of the day, though, the hope is with him. Let's pray. Lord, I'm reminded of the hymn, Thou art coming before the King, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. Lord, I ask that you'd meet us in front of mirrors and around boardroom tables and in the midst of family conflicts and struggles of any and every kind. I ask that you'd give us clarity on who we are the best of who we are, but also the most malformed parts of who we are. 
And I ask in that place, like you met Peter so long ago, when we discover what you already know, that you will carry on your work of forming the life of your son in us. That your spirit will empower us and that you will help us, just like Peter, know that we don't have to wait to be part of what you're doing in the world for the day when the garden is right, that you invite us even now, even in the midst of our brokenness, you invite us on and you invite us into your love. You are the great craftsman. So build something beautiful in and through us. You're the great physician. Come and heal us. Restore all of the parts of our flesh that are corrupted and diseased. And Jesus, let us be part of the good work of your kingdom in this world. In your name we pray. Amen.